Tuesday, January 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Austin Smith, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems, Chief Investment Officer of the Motley Fool, Andy Cross. Good to see you guys. Thanks Hi, for having us. Um, we're going to talk about retail. We're going to dig into just, frankly, a monster quarter from Samsung Electronics, but we're going to start in the food world. Uh, shares of Yum! Brands down about 5% this morning. The parent company of KFC said it expects same-store sales in China to fall more than originally expected due to issues with two of its chicken suppliers. Um, Andy, we saw this news right before Christmas. Um, Yum! Brands had confirmed that food safety authorities in Shanghai were yep. investigating their KFC operations. This, there's no way this is anything but bad news. Well, and it's on top of already some bad news coming out of China for Yum! Brands, which is softening sales. So they had come out in, the, in November right. saying that their same-store sales would be down about 4%. Then this news hits. People don't – it's bad publicity. People do not go into – um, your KFC in China, where they have a, they have thousands of stores. China right. is a very big part of Yum Brands' business, so it's critical to them. I mean, any time a food company has words like investigation by yeah. the uh, <laughs> essentially the, uh, the the food authorities in that country, just not good news. And and obviously, we're seeing it in the stock today with Yum Brands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Austin, I, I should also point out that um, one of these uh, suppliers, one of these chicken suppliers, actually, I think both of them, they also supply to McDonald's. So yep. for anyone who thinks that this is just a, a problem for young brands, there's clearly a, a ripple effect there for McDonald's. H- how tough is this type of thing to bounce back from? I actually don't think this is that tough to back, bounce back from. I do think it is a bit of a headwind, headwind in the short run. I think the stock was actually a little expensive, so it's nice to see it come down a little bit. But these are very easy to recover from uh, because these are companies that have monster supply chains, incredible relationships with these suppliers. And in many ways, they still provide mm-hmm. the higher quality food that is available in, in these countries. You know, the, the best steakhouses in China still advertise USDA-grade beef. So these are companies that, as a whole, generally uphold themselves to a higher food standard than a lot of other options in the area. And I would note that it, it seems like they, the, the administration actually dismissed the investigation, right? It was, you know, it, it will impact same-store sales, but it seemed to be non-conclusive. So I think as early as next quarter, this could probably be forgotten and you can get back to Yum's growth story. Well, it will be very interesting to see what they come out with when they announce earnings later next month and um, where they target their same-store sales for China, the, the goal is mid-single digits. So that's a, that's a pretty big shift from where they were in the fourth quarter. So we'll see if they bounce back from that. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you alluded to this, Austin. You look at the performance of Yum! Brand stock over the last few years. It's, it's done quite well. Uh, but to that point, Andy, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to the conference call, if you're looking at the earnings, uh, how important is how Yum! Brand is doing in the U.S., North America, relative to China? Because it would seem like simply by virtue of the fact that, as you pointed out, the two most recent significant business stories about Yum! Brands have been about, one, softening sales in China, and two, this food investigation. It would seem like China gets bumped to the top of the list. Well, and also, um, let's not forget that Yum! Brands and its Taco Bell brand had some challenges with some allegations about the quality (laughs) of beef that they have into their tacos. So this is not the first time that Yum! Brands has dealt with something like this. But Chris, Mm -hmm. to your point, I mean, Yum! Brands, they have – China's a faster-growing market. They have 5,000 outlets in China versus 18,000 here in the U.S. But China's a faster-growing market for them, higher profit margins. So it's a third of their revenues. So it is very important that they get that back on track. And whether it's been dismissed or not, it's really the perception and will consumers come back into those outlets? Mm-hmm. Will you 
they continue to go buy their their chicken at KFC even after this has hit the hit the airwaves. Mm-hmm. It seems like Pizza Hut sort of gets lost in the mix. It's yeah. it's sort of it's sort of like almost how mm-hmm. theme parks was for Disney for years where it's like, well, all our other divisions are doing well, theme parks were you know, we're 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 sort of lagging. Yeah. Um, it's the middle child in the lineup. I, I, I guess so. <laughs> hey, wait, I'm a middle child. <laughs> we can at, talk about it later. Exactly my therapist. At some <laughs> at some point uh, if you're if you're young brands, do you look to uh, essentially, if not shed Pizza Hut altogether, at least take a a harder look at w- whether you cut down the number of locations, or do you just sort of let it ride? Well, I think I I I don't know what their strategy is when it comes to to, to Pizza Hut. Although I do think having that diversified base when it comes to a company like Yum Brands, and they've certainly executed well across all their portfolio, their entire portfolio. So they're probably looking at this as like, okay, I have. Um, a couple different brands that I can choose to really focus on and grow in different yeah. ways in different markets. So um, it's a smart strategy. It's worked well for them. Um, but certainly any kind of brand perception of the quality of the food is just not good mm-hmm. for this company. I actually, not, not to, to stay on this topic too long, but I actually think keeping Pizza Hut in-house helps a lot. It, it may not be a huge earnings driver at this point, but if you look at what Domino's and Papa John's have been able to do coming out of the recession, this is a, a very resilient food class that resonates mm-hmm. very well across geographies. And unlike a lot of other uh, yum brands, you know, unlike the Taco Bell and the, and the KFC division, you don't have to reinvent it quite as much for local tastes. So it translates a lot easier. So if it is something they want to scale, it's got great economies, it resonates well. Domino's and, and Papa John's have been phenomenally well-performing stocks. And if Yum! Brands decides to refocus on it, I think you can have a really strong division there. So I actually like them keeping it in-house. Yeah, pizza does scale across, across, across the globe. Back in October, Target started matching the online prices of retail rivals like Amazon, Target, Best Buy, and others. Today, Target announced it is extending that policy throughout the year. Uh, CEO Greg Steinhoffel said he is not worried, Austin, that price matching is going to hurt Target's margins. Uh, shouldn't he be? I think that that is a ridiculous <laughs> statement. Uh, His investors are, I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm really disappointed in this, actually, because Target sort of – it seemed like they took a sort of contrarian retailer stance just as as recently as a few weeks ago when they said uh, – I believe it was their CFO who said, we're not interested in driving sales for the sake of sales. Um, so you might see us lag competitors in terms of same-store sales increases. And he was talking about the holiday sort of deep discount uh, phenomena that goes on with all these retailers where they just slash 50 60% off the top in order to get people in the door. Target said, you know what, we're going to take a step back. We're not going to get sales for sales sake. And this just seems to be like, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, you, you avoided deep discounts in the holiday shopping season, but now you're going to apply them across an entire year to match online competitors' prices when you can't compete with Amazon's cost mm-hmm. structure. You, you cannot match their prices and achieve a profitable margin because Amazon, as we know, accepts, what, a 1%, 2% margin? Yeah. So that's just not something that Target can do. So I, I liked what they did in the holiday season. I'm really disappointed to see them now apply this <laughs> to all 12 months of the year. Well, and Andy, to Austin's point, when you look at the performance of Target's stock over the last couple of years, it has lagged Amazon, but it has handily beaten Target yep. and Best Buy. Maybe, you know, that's damning with exactly. faint praise to be beating Best but Buy stock 20, performance. It was up 25% last year, which, which beat the S&P 500. So, mm-hmm. so they have done some things right, and it, the, the stock's been been rewarded for that. Investors have been rewarded for that. I mean, is there a business that Amazon is not touching, if not crushing, <laughs> out there? And, I mean, this is right in the crosshairs of what... Uh, Amazon does so well, and Target is competing with them. From a retailer, if you're not offering some kind of 
differentiating factor that com- that does not allow you or, or allows you to succeed and compete against Amazon, where Amazon thrives on price and efficiency. If you're ch- trying to challenge that, that's a very tough battle to to win. I, I, I totally agree. I would much rather see Am- a, a Target rather do a few things. I like to see them focus on their city center locations, which yeah. get higher sales per square foot, more recurring revenues. People, you know, yep. they, they, they don't have cars. So they, they have smaller bags. They come back a lot more. You can typically charge higher prices. But it also allows you to put in things like groceries that Amazon's not going to touch. And that's, that's worked very well for Walmart. They now sell something to the tune of 25% of all groceries mm-hmm. in the U.S. And the logic being you sell these things almost at a loss or if not at cost. And these people then get in the door and buy other products. So I'd love to see Target do that. That's not something Amazon can touch. With their city center locations, they can get that ultra convenience that, you know, as convenient as Amazon is, they'll never be on your route home, right? And, and Target can be that with their city center locations, particularly in more urban areas. Don't you think we're going to know the results of this very quickly? Don't you think, obviously not when they next report earnings, but the quarter after that, that like, it seems like this is the sort of thing that if this yeah. works, whether it succeeds or fails, we're going to know Four months from now. Yeah, I was going to say like almost a 50-50 chance that this may change in a quarter or two because we'll know very quickly what the results are and has this been successful and is it a good campaign. But to Austin's points, uh, operating from a point, a position of strength, not weakness, and speak and play to your strengths is, is really where Target should be focusing on, on those things rather than competing directly against Amazon on price. Mm-hmm. Samsung Electronics fourth quarter profits rose 89%. Uh, that came in higher than expected thanks to, wait for it, 62 million smartphones that Samsung <laughs> sold in the fourth quarter. Um, Austin, one analyst said Samsung was the major beneficiary of slower than expected sales of Apple's iPhone 5. We'll get to Apple in a second, but I mean, this just this just seems like a monster quarter for Samsung. It, it absolutely is a monster quarter. And, you know, although all the, the limelight's been shown on Apple in the last 12 to 18 months, Samsung has done a lot of really great things. Their Galaxy S3 is a very well-reviewed phone. Uh, it, it's very, very strong in Asia that this whole phablet phenomenon of sort of like smaller than a tablet, larger than a phone, what is it? Phablet? I don't know. It, it's selling like crazy. With uh, a PH. Phablet. Yes. So th- think something like this iPad Mini that's maybe a little smaller, but also a phone. Yeah, I should point out for our dozens of listeners, Austin has not one, but two devices in front of him. He's got the iPhone, he's got the and iPad. Two Mini. And my MacBook Air is charging at my yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's resonated really well, and, and it makes a lot of sense, because if you look at these these Asian markets, uh, they you know, it's typically kind of cost prohibitive for them to buy a smartphone and a tablet. But if you can get this one all-in-one device, Samsung has really... Uh, struck a chord in that market, and I think they're going to continue to do very well. The Galaxy S3 is a bit larger than the iPhone, so people can sort of justify using that in place of a tablet. Um, Samsung really sort of the silent tech winner of the last 18 months, and I've been very impressed by what they've been doing. Uh, Andy, you have to assume that the while Apple does a great job of shutting out competition, sort of focusing on their own business, you have to believe that a quarter like this from Samsung is making people uh, sit up and take notice at Apple HQ. I would think so. There's a lot of business and publicity momentum behind Samsung with so much of the success that they've had, especially around the world, where now they are selling more phones than than Apple is. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, they're re- they're releasing a lot more. They will, will release close to 40 new, estimated to be 40 new phones across different price points and across different technology and different features, versus Apple's one maybe. 
two this year, something like that. So there's a lot of momentum. They are speaking to a lot of different customer bases. And they're not just phones. They're right now over the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas talking about their appliance plans and what they are doing to enter the appliance market and how important that is to them. So they're really trying to get a very high level of wallet share from from, uh, global consumers, Mm -hmm. and it seems to be working. I, I would also say, you know, as impressive as this quarter is for Samsung, as an investment, I'm still looking at Apple because this is a company that they can sell significantly less devices than everybody else and still reap the lion's share of the profit yep. because of things like subsidies, because of their monster margins. I mean, they have margins that are 2x any company in this space effectively. And uh, so as an investment, I'm still looking at Apple. I think the real way to read these numbers from Samsung isn't necessarily should I invest in Samsung because to Andy's point, they're expanding across many divisions. Many of those divisions will add to their top line, but their lower margin revenue, you have to be looking at it as what does this mean for the other companies in this space? What does this mean for Nokia? What does this mean for Apple? Does this erode Apple's position? So great quarter from Samsung. I'm not looking at them as an investment, though. I'm looking at the one derivative removed and how does this affect the other companies that I previously wanted to invest in. Yep. Um, sticking with Apple for a second, um, is this the year that Apple unveils a television? Because we, uh, granted, we saw Steve Jobs uh, effectively cut really great deals with music publishers, uh, with book publishers. So obviously there will deals that will need to be cut with video content producers, and I'm sure that's something that they're working on. But just from the standpoint of the device, are, are we betting on 2013 being the year of Apple TV? What do you think? Well, um, let me put my forecasting hat on. <laughs> is uh, I think there is a lot of um, interest and momentum built around the Apple ecosystem and what they've done, and they've done it so well that mm-hmm. TV and getting that share, as Samsung is going after, but share of the living room space, and Apple has already done so much of that. You can take um, uh, uh, your um, iPhone, you can take your MacBook, carry it in the living room. The next space that they have to go into is that television space. So I would not be surprised if they do this. There's a lot, a lot of interest around that. It was Steve Jobs, kind of a pet project that he was working on. Yeah. Um, so if they go into the space, they will go into it in ways that no one else has ever thought of. And that's very exciting from a consumer perspective and even from an investor perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you think so? Uh I certainly hope we see an Apple TV this year, but my guess is as worthless as the next person's. I mean, Apple being so secretive and so well-guarded about these right. things, we haven't seen any credible leaks yet. The one uh, shred of a leak that we saw a few weeks ago was that it's, it would be closer to a set-top box device instead of a mm-hmm. TV, which has huge implications because that's likely to be a lower-margin device. It also has big implications for suppliers. So a lot of people are looking at companies like Corning as maybe a winner if Apple does come out with a TV and set up this, this whole boom in the TV space, but right. if it's a set-top box, you don't get that same TV boom. Uh, companies like Cirrus Logic that have done so well in Apple's mobile devices, there's an argument that they could do well in a TV as well. But again, if it's a set-top box, it, it changes mm-hmm. the economics a little bit. So I certainly hope we see an Apple TV. I have a, a, a space right in my living room waiting for it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'm not going to pretend as if I have any extra wisdom into yep. this than, than anybody else. Uh, I, I want to go back to something you said about Samsung, Andy. Our colleague Rex Moore is out in Las Vegas right now at the Consumer Electronics Show. When you talk about Samsung getting into appliances, yep. what are we talking about? Like refrigerators? Am I going to have Everything. a smart refrigerator yeah, or a want, smart they oven? Wanna, they want to be the largest appliance maker by 2015, and they want exactly. So a lot of the, the initiative and momentum behind all of the um, – consumer space on the electronic side is really this integration, the smart house, the smartphone 
Samsung certainly plays into that with their mobile devices and their appliance makers too. They've put in charge the the gentleman who ran their TV business so successfully for so many years. He is now running the appliance business. Took took over about a year and a half ago. So now he is pushing initiatives on the appliance side to tie all these things together. Wow. And you start again, start to build this ecosystem. Whether you're mm-hmm. Apple, or whether you're Samsung, and you get a lot of loyalty and a lot of efficiency using the same system, the same products. And I think that's a lot of what Samsung's going after for that market. Here's, and that oh, sorry, that, that's a beautiful space to be in right now too. Yeah. We've seen Whirlpool actually double over 2012 yeah. because there's been this huge upsurge in the housing market, or I guess modest, but it's the average age of the appliance is still at about five years, the highest it's yeah. ever been. So there's this potential catalyst in this, this, this just, uh, you know, stem of people waiting to buy appliances. And when you look at a company like Sears that is is, is so weak, their death grip on the Kenmore brand yeah. uh, could, you know, open up this sort of vacuum for other appliance companies like Whirlpool, Samsung, yep. General Electric to move in in a big way and take market share of, of an industry that I expect is going to see huge sales growth over the next five years as housing continues to recover and people look at these aging appliances looking at what, you know, they, they want to upgrade them, they want to yep. get more energy efficient yeah. appliances. So Samsung, depending on how quickly they can get that division up and running, could be a, another big top yeah, line. I mean, win. it's a quarter of their business, so it's not a small part of their business, but mm-hmm. but obviously one that is not nearly as exciting as uh, uh, the smartphone and the other lines. Yeah, we just uh, replaced our oven and our dishwasher, but here's what I want from the people at Samsung. You know how you can have a coffee pot with a timer on it, so you, you set it up the night before so that it goes off the next morning and there's there's freshly brewed coffee just yeah. waiting for you? I'm Here's what I want from Samsung. I want a blender that has a freezer component to it that will i can set a timer and so when i get home in the summer there's a just a freshly ground up margarita just waiting for me that's just perfect don't yeah. you think they could yeah. pull that brilliant. off yeah Sounds get on it samsung get working <laughs> get busy <laughs> andy cross austin smith guys thanks for being here thanks Chris. as always people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about and the motley pool may have formal recommendations for or against so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.